This is Max. This is Christina. This is Evan. This is Allie. And you're listening to Semi Pros. You haven't read the half of it. Okay, last, when was the last time each of you have been to Scarborough and what were, you, what were the reasons you were in Scarborough? Since the book, since Scarborough is one of the characters of the book. Okay, so I'm not from here, so I've rarely been to Scarborough. I've only been twice and both times were job interviews. Oh, what, mm. what, what were the jobs? Uh, one was a job that I got and did not take. It was for like a, is it a digital advertising kind of whatever company that wanted me to write articles that had that were like optimized for search so it'd okay. be like you need to include these like 10 that's the most soul exactly work exactly. i've ever done in my life okay second job uh the second one oh maybe it's just that one job the other one was actually not there it was at uh it was like york not scarborough any impressions of scarborough like that before you went in and then when you actually were there, did you have any? No. So, well, I mean, like I had kind of impressions of Scarborough just from, I'd already been here for a couple of years, but I'd never been there. So like, just like, I just knew it was a suburb of Toronto, basically. A green suburb of Toronto. A green suburb. Is that what you pictured? What? <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know. You know I feel a like. fence, like uh, blue velvet type of, type of, um, <laughs> when's the last time? It's, it's weird because I, I went there a lot in my childhood just to eat at a lot of the you know Chinese restaurants and and really good restaurants that, but last couple of years I don't know I've it sort of disappeared from I haven't had a reason to go back there and I sort of miss it. But you used to live in Scarborough, right? No, I used to think that I lived in Scarborough. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you actually live? I lived in Markham, and uh, my cousins have a grew up at uh, Brimley and Steeles area, which is like pretty well into Scarborough. So I think that's the last place in Scarborough that I was but I spent like a good chunk of my early teen years prancing around Scarborough heading up STC Scarborough Town Center yes. for all the uninformed yes. riding the RT um going to the uh Cineplex at uh, Eglinton Com- like Kennedy Commons um we should discuss so the reason we're all talking so much about Scarborough is we just read David Sherriandy's brother which takes place almost entirely in Scarborough. Uh, so it follows a young man, Michael, I guess, in his mid-20s. He lives in Scarborough, and he works He works in a supermarket, and he kind of, he lives with his mom, and both of them are kind of dealing with the after effects of a sort of unnamed tragedy at the beginning. And uh, a woman from his neighborhood, Aisha, kind of shows up on his doorstep. She is coming back to... Uh, not to Scarborough, she's coming back to Milton where her father lives because her father just died. And when she comes back, Michael asks her to come visit uh, visit the park, which is kind of the housing complex where uh, they grew up in Scarborough to come back. So she comes back and kind of stays with them for a while. And while she's visiting, they kind of uncover all these old memories of Michael and his older brother, Francis, growing up in the neighborhood. And you kind of learn about Francis's story, how Francis was kind of the harder brother like he kind of had more of a reputation in the neighborhood of being kind of like a troubled kid whether that's fair or not and kind of what happens to him and spoiler like the story you find out is that um after a series of events he is killed in a police shooting like a a police officer kills him and this is the tragedy that they're kind of grappling with still 10 years later 
Um, but it has a lot of other stuff just sort of about, like you said, Scarborough is a huge character. You learn people who have never even heard of Scarborough, I think would get a really good sense of, of the neighborhood or not the neighborhood, the, the city. Um, and then it kind of also deals in the kind of like the beginnings of hip hop and DJ culture, um, you know, food culture in Scarborough. You're talking about like all the good restaurants. So a couple of things to talk about, about Brother. There's a lot of hip hop. And there's a lot of uh, DJing, there's a lot of MCing, but one of the things, and maybe we'll just go there because it was, it was really interesting when you mentioned it, was the food that, that mm-hmm. is sort of uh, depicted in Brother. And I, I guess I never really noticed that Scarborough, until recently, that I sort of woke up, what's that CBC blogger who blog, who leads food tours in Scarborough? Suresh Dosh, I think. Yeah, he does, and he kind of points out like all the like best like places that don't get written up in Toronto life, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That have all the best food in kind of all over the city, but a lot of it's in Scarborough. So Shout out to Randy's Patties. <laughs> Randy's Patties? <laughs> the best patties. Where, where where would you find Randy's Patties? Like Lawrence and somewhere. I don't know. I don't I don't really want too many people to find it. <laughs> so and, and now I'm doing location. that Anthony Bourdain thing yeah. where I'm like ruining pristine things. <laughs> Favorite food scene in the book? Um, there was a couple. I just thought that the nature of food and the way that it played out with cooking and food itself uh, was such a huge theme for me that I picked up on. And I know that music was meant to be more front and center. I mean, there's even turntables on the cover. Um, But, you know, just one of the first ties that they have to their Trinidadian culture, which they've never been there before, is the food and the weird kind of different names that they have for things like calling avocados pears. That's something that Jamaicans do also. So that was really, that really resonated with me. Um, but also just like, you know, they weren't ever eating really properly. And then on the anniversary of Francis's death, after some kind of time, his mom finally for the first time, like gets on clothes and goes outside and gets groceries and tries to make a nice dinner for them. And she kind of fails at that a little bit, but that's maybe the first concerted effort she's made to try to do something. And it's through food. And I think that when, Um, their neighbors come knocking and they're kind of being nosy in the direct aftermath of Francis's death, Um, being able to come over under the auspice of delivering food to them is kind Mm -hmm. of a way for people to be nosy into what's going on behind closed doors. And then ultimately later on in the book when um, Aisha is coming to visit, she she brings food and also like later on when they're all kind of healing together it's over it's over a meal and it's over specific types of food and it's just i don't know i just thought that whatever was happening whatever they were eating was very emblematic of emotionally like where they were in their grieving process i want to commend you because i worked on the book uh full disclosure i was i worked on publicity in canada for david's book you know a lot of the interview the way i pitched it even was hip-hop um i had a mixtape created to you know to play at events but no one in any interviews, I don't think, mentioned the food yet, which I think is an even uh, brighter and more vivid sort of way to look at the book than than the music. But we'll come back to the music, but the mm-hmm. food. So good for you, Christina. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> well, they even depict Jelly, who's the the DJ, like kind of the depicted as a musical genius in this book, as like a really good chef, too. And they mm-hmm. almost describe the way he's making food as similar to the way he like spins records like in the in that depiction where he's cooking up a meal but i thought that this book and this ties into that 
did a really good job of world building in that mm-hmm. sense in that like we were saying that Scarborough really does become a character but um I found a lot of similarities between this and also have you guys read Ta-Nehisi Coates's first book The no. Beautiful Struggle so it's about his family growing up in Baltimore and in a similar way you really get a sense of what Baltimore was like during that time which was like during the crack era in Baltimore but the way that David Cheriandi kind of describes how they interact with one another, especially when they go to the shop where everybody hangs out yeah. and he's like describing how everybody like hangs out with one another, the way that they talk to each other. And then like when the girls come around, they all change a little bit. And even the words that he uses in the book, like he calls the girls like when the beauties come and he's got beauties as like a capital B, mm-hmm. like it's a term that they use to refer to them. Those kind of like linguistic ticks that people have within their friend groups and within their communities, it like gave a real sense of what that time period was like in that place for that group of people that's also kind of like what did you guys think of the musical references in the book like i don't know other musical references we had um it's otis redding otis redding yeah was there a aretha marvin franklin aretha dj mm-hmm. cool yeah there's some more like um like african and and caribbean references that i didn't really yeah i didn't yeah. really Which, get i thought that that was really in terms of present day toronto those references to jelly who's the dj mixing in like soca and, and like toots in the Maytals exactly and like mixing that all together into like modern hip-hop um i thought that that was very representative of where mm. music is in toronto yeah. today especially if you go to like any kind of like dj night like if you yeah. go to yes yes y'all or if you go to like what are some of the other ones um if you go to any of those kinds of events, like that's the kind of music that you're listening to and they're incredibly popular and incredibly inclusive. And I think that that's a really good read of early beginnings of that in Toronto. Yeah. Jelly was ahead of his time. Jelly was ahead of his I time. I was really hoping for like a Cardinal reference. I One thing I really liked about the book and it kind of speaks to that is like how intergenerational it was. Like it's mm-hmm. mainly about like young people but I would say that the parents kind of mm-hmm. generation is treated with like such empathy in a lot. And like it really tries to understand their mother. It tries to understand like even their absent father is kind of given mm-hmm. like a lot of, I don't know, like a, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Well, There's one line where um, I think when they had gone back to Trinidad and someone had asked his, I think his, his aunt had asked his mom, oh, do you still dance when yeah, in, yeah. in Scarborough mm-hmm. or do you still dance in Canada? And yeah, that said, was like the saddest, not the saddest, <laughs> but it was like such a like teary moment, right? When yeah. they're asking about what yeah. our life's like in, yeah. Yeah. The first time I ever went back to Jamaica, I was 10 years old and my family, my parents had not been back since they themselves left, which was, um, a, you know, over a decade for them as well, obviously. Um, and it was a very similar experience of a really mediated experience like I'm not seeing this for the first time because I've heard so much about it and I can imagine there's all these things from this place that I know like oh there's ting sodas like I know that mm-hmm. and I know this and my uncle has a shop there and I remember going to my grandfather's house that was there and there's only air conditioning in one room normally there like you have air conditioning just in your bedroom so my whole family and my aunt and uncle slept in my grandfather's bedroom and it was like six people in this one bedroom and it was one of those weird moments where you're just like what the fuck are we like why is this shit so wackadoo like i remember like going over in my grandpa's car his like 95 honda accord all six of us like you just get real i don't know real tight real tight real quick 
Did you um, also meet a lot of relatives that you had no idea who they were? And yeah, were and to actually, be really people that closer? I just saw again really recently. Did they ask um, if your parents used to still dance? No, they knew my parents still did. <laughs> That's good. Um, That's good. But you know, there's this great moment where my dad has this great moment of misremembering where he wants to go see his friend whose name is Johnny, and he doesn't know where Johnny lives now. Mm-hmm. Like. Because could why be would anywhere. He? Could on literally the island, be anywhere. Yeah. So he just drives to what he thinks is like Johnny's house and then just like gets out of the car and is just like, Johnny! <laughs> like really? yells out. Johnny! Like, like Marlon Brando. He just like literally is in the street and we're all crammed in this car and we've been driving for like, I don't know how long. I'm a kid, right? But <laughs> How long did it feel? felt like fucking forever we got like a flat tire like all this crazy (laughs) shit happened on this trip this trip was like i don't know something out of a movie and johnny comes out of his house and just like (laughs) and johnny was still there oh he was there johnny was still there we went to johnny's Johnny's house like uh, randomly and it was just those moments where it was just super weird like so displaced because you're just now in this person's house like my whole family like the only person that knows this guy is my dad so there's three other adults and then my brother and I and That's Johnny amazing. just comes out he's like Gordon like <laughs> so no call ahead no email no call ahead no text no someone just we drove to That's Johnny's amazing. house like what my dad thought was Johnny's house and he also still, just happened to be home and he just yeah. came home and yeah. he just said come in and I don't know that you don't Thank do that anymore, right? I like, love people that don't story. Do Thank that. God, do that's the ending. That. I wasn't sure what the ending was yeah. going to be. Yeah, was My like, mom was like, "Gordon, get back in the car. We're going to get shot." I pictured you guys in a field and him just yelling to a field. <laughs> no, Johnny! he was like on a like yeah. I don't know. Picture any any street with houses yeah. and just a guy, Johnny. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, uh, I envy. So I brought it up because I envy that uh, homecoming story because I didn't get one when I was young. And I envy your homecoming story now, even even though it sounds <laughs> you described it in fucking horrible. Well, I don't know. That sounds that sounds pretty. It sounds was it was. Fun. I would say like it's I'm sorry, like I, I romanticizing it a little bit. Maybe. No, you're right. No, I think it, it's like all homecomings. I think it was bittersweet. I think it was bittersweet for my parents. I think for a, as a person who's expecting to go back and you have all these ideas, it's a very super mediated experience. Um, and there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows, like any good adventure. I, I go visit my family in Florida once a year as well. And it's always been hard for me when I was a kid right. to say goodbye because my family is very, very close. And um, and I, I loved I loved being in Jamaica as much as there was all these moments that were very uncomfortable and weird. I've always and I didn't we didn't have plans to come back. So that was, there was that idea of like, when will we be back? We don't know. Um, we've been back twice since. So but I was like an adult both times. So. But it's been a super different experience. But you didn't know when you were a kid if you were going to ever see these We didn't. People. We knew that we'd see my, my uncle and, like, my cousins again. Um, but, like, my grandfather's sister, we ended up not seeing again before she passed away. Things like that. Just people that you were so... And we'll end you on that? One, on <laughs> you know, people you had this one interaction with. Yeah. And they had to mean something to you, but they oh. don't. And then you just never see them again. That's three, Christina. You're fucking killing it today. You're killing <laughs> Sorry. it. You're All right. I'm just going to awesome. stop reading. That's what happens when I actually read the book. No, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Cool. Cool. Up next, Max and I are going to be interviewing David Cherry Andy.
want me to start? Maybe, I was just thinking maybe David should introduce himself. Is okay. that rude to ask you oh, no. as our guest to introduce? Because like, we've been kind of struggling with a little bit, not struggling, but like debating the best way to introduce books and authors because yeah. part of it is that like maybe people aren't familiar with you or maybe people haven't read the book yet and you know just reading something off the jacket doesn't seem like what we're trying to do yeah and i was just thinking maybe david can introduce himself and you can do one too max okay you want to try yeah i think i'm i'm totally game okay you can go ahead okay uh who are we talking to right now uh this is david cherry i'm uh an author based in vancouver i teach out there um but i guess my imagination keeps carrying me back to where i was born city of Toronto and very specifically Scarborough I don't often mention uh, the T word of Toronto when I describe myself um, I describe my, my most recent book I should say I, I hmm. use it to describe myself because people know Scar uh, know Toronto not necessarily Scarborough and um, yeah I think that's it okay okay so now that you mentioned I was thinking of where two places to start mm-hmm. so either we can start because Christina thinks that a lot, of, a lot of the interviews have mentioned that it's, you know, the music motif as being central to the book, which it is. Hmm. But Christina has a theory that it's more about food than it is about music. Like, is, was there a moment in your, in your life when you noticed that food was something sort of singular about Scarborough? Like, when you stepped away and, and, and really noticed that that was maybe a top three thing about what makes Scarborough, like, a pretty special place? Yeah, I think it was, that was what, someone told me that just recently. So, you know, they, they went to Scarborough to get good food. Um, this was someone living, I think, farther uh, east uh, than me. And, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's uh, so much about Scarborough, but then there's all kinds of different kinds of uh, what some people would call, you know, ethnic foods in Scarborough. Um, but it's also, like a, it's also like a pathway back to the Caribbean, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, and very specifically, and the kind of also the mashed up kind of cuisines of the Caribbean. Like there was a, um, wow, my mind is fading now, like this uh, really great restaurant, but its thing was Chinese Caribbean cuisine. And it was like this, again, a kind of a real mashup of, uh, of this type of uh, food by someone, uh, I think he was Chinese Jamaican. And um, yeah, just those flavors and everything, it's kind of, uh, it, if it's not embarrassing you because you've been made to feel embarrassed <laughs> about that, yeah. that and many other things, then it's also kind of calling you home and making you feel good. I was thinking I loved the, the first time that Michael's mom goes out in proper clothes and gets the uh, ingredients to make something like what she would have cooked before oh, right. um, on the anniversary. Oh, of, I mean, they're spoil- that's fine. Spoilers. We talked about it. Th- yeah, we were fine. We can do On the anniversary of, uh, of Francis's death, um, I thought that was such a great scene because she tries and she doesn't actually get to make use of all the ingredients and it doesn't turn out perfect and it's maybe not exactly as she intended and it's maybe not exactly as it would have been, but it's, it's such a step in a direction for her and it's like mm-hmm. the first time that he sees any type of movement, it seems, on her part to try to like dig herself out of the gully of grief that she's been living in for like Mm -hmm. however long at that point I forget um and I think that's when I first 
I mean, that's probably the first big, no, there's different, there's food scenes before that. But I think that to me was when I kind of clued in on, I think that this book to me is really about food and like all mm. the different places it, it's mentioned. It's always indicative of like what the characters are going through at that time and like how far along they are in this process of, of dealing with things, right? Like that was a, that meal could be seen as a failure and that first step out of grief is perhaps a stumbled step, right? But mm. to I me, I thought that was really nice like no that's I, I love that i love that reading of it and thank you yeah and kind of connecting that that moment to then the later moment when jelly mm -hmm. cooks in that household so taking up that taking up that uh, i'm trying not to say torch but i'm going to <laughs> say torch <laughs> and um and then uh yeah it's I think I think that's an amazing way to read read the book. It really is. Yeah. I read through my stomach. That's good. Do you write through <laughs> your stomach, David? <laughs> you know, uh, when I was yeah, when I was younger and I was reading, I used to love reading recipe books. Really? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a what's your top? Do you have a top like a? So remember, there was this. Um, um, forgive me, my my memory's failing right now. But uh, there's this kind of famous um, person on etiquette, and she wrote a big book on. On um, and she also book, wrote a big uh, recipe book. This kind of British uh, etiquette lady. Uh, um, my memory's failing. And too. she's like, a f yeah, but I, my memory's failing too. But she wrote a, that a, a, a cookbook, and it was all about. It's not only about like the the stuff she was preparing sounded actually so bland and boring. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievably. How old are you when you're going through like this cooking pornography? Yeah, it was. It really was, how, how old and are it you? was pornography because it was actually giving me a kind of a glimpse into mm. that other life, you know. And and that's how you eat a lobster leg, and that's how you, you know, how you do this and that, and you know, you boil the death out of your vegetables and. <laughs> <laughs> And serve it as a paste on the side of your <laughs> uh, your plate. Are you, are you nine <laughs> with a boiled potato and, <laughs> and a flavorless piece of meat? Are you nine years old? Is that? I think so. I think I was at around nine or so. But I was uh, for some reason I was really riveted by that, and I, it was it was I think because I was trying to glimpse into lives of people very different from me, and I was also trying to figure out, you know, okay, conduct. How do you mm. how do people act in different circumstances? in the right way because I always felt I was getting it the wrong way. Obviously mm -hmm. there's something wrong about me. I'm getting, I'm getting it wrong all the time. Um, uh, but the other thing too, is I think I was really riveted by descriptions of food preparation and making food sound like something you'd want to eat. I mean, that recipe book didn't succeed at that, but <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was really, um, yeah, I remember Okay, so I'm going to pivot a little bit. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. I guess I'm one thing that as you were speaking, like I know that there's a literature of rural or small town Canada. There's a literature of urban Canada, but like suburbs is something that I, I guess I haven't been educated a lot or haven't read a lot about yet. And maybe yours might have been the first book that I'd read that sort of takes place there, tries to tell me a little bit about, you know, what suburban and I use suburban and people might picture a different type of suburbs when I say suburban, but a, a place that's not rural and a place that's not completely city. Yeah. And I think it's, it's very specific, specific. I mean, now of course, um, there are other books that have come out. Um, Carrie Ann Young's, uh, book is one of the more recent ones. Um, and also there's Catherine Hernandez's book. Scarborough. Scarborough. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so these are, these are, great representations of, of that, that space. But um, 
but yeah, I guess the the thing about the Canadian suburb that the reason maybe why it's 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 I fear I fear that I, I haven't seen too many representations of the Canadian suburbs in literature as well, and especially what I'm I'm getting at is the Canadian ethnic suburbs, you know, mm-hmm. and it's because in other spaces, if we get a lot of our representation from the context of let's say America, the suburbs, as I think you were gesturing towards, uh, it's the inner city where you find mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. working class, working poor people, and people of color. The suburbs are the spaces of white flight. You know, you it's in the it's, states. Yeah, the states. it's yeah in the states, and so you kind of that's the the suburbs are where the if you have the money to move from the city, you move there, and uh, you know in extreme places cases you set up your gates and and you set up other barriers to prevent others <laughs> from moving into these spaces of privilege, but in Canada it's a different model, and maybe it's the model that it's more closely akin to Europe, where it's the the city itself mm-hmm. is the space of affluence. Aff- Fluence, where if you have money, um, and then then um, and as these things kind of correspond, not not wholly, but sometimes loosely, um, um, yeah, you, that's where you move. But um, so the story of the Canadian suburbs, or the story of the suburbs, not the suburbs of America, but the suburbs of Canada, is I think a relatively new landscape to explore. And so, uh, yeah, I'd see, th- see the three of us are, are beginning to explore that. And uh, maybe there's a, d- yeah, there's, I think others are writing, but, but I, you know, I think more, a lot more is going to come out. I, I love what you just said, and, and it made me think that in your book, also seeing Michael and his family retreat to nature, you never get that story and picture of an interaction of, with nature of people who are of lesser means or right. racial. I don't ever right. hear about black right. people enjoying the park right we don't <laughs> i don't read about that like do you read about that like that's so interesting that to think that like i feel like the way that they're using nature in this book is like how nature should be used in the white flight suburbs but isn't because it's this like unadulterated enjoyment of nature right like they go there all seasons to enjoy and sit on the grass they're not and it's the rouge valley so it's not like pesticide it's not a golf course yeah, it's yeah. not a perfect park it's like or just even the bluffs, which is another great space of respite for a lot of kids and people in Scarborough. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that because, yeah, we don't see too many people in that type of scenario being like, oh, I'm going to go have a nice nature walk. Yeah. it's. I, I think there's a kind of a, there's a way in which I think most of the representations that kind of come to us kind of can't articulate um, black people of a particular kind of class background or uh, with with nature and so you know <coughs> in the in stereotypical kind of representations black people belong in the in urban settings mm-hmm. and so it's like concrete and asphalt and and housing complex and stuff and kind of gross stereotype but I think you know I think there's I think the reality is as as you're alluding is like kind of it's um you know, all kinds of different people enjoy nature, and there is a there's a real, I think, going for a walk or having a picnic or, you know, that I think that's a reality mm-hmm. for um, for for the people that I, I was representing in the book. Uh, have we, are were we all bo- born here in Canada? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so you, I I think so. That's that's how. Um, so that. Um, 
way of encountering our parents' birthplace, right? Mm -hmm. And that birthplace that we have some connection to, however, that whatever that connection is, but some sort of connection. Um, I think that's also new, relatively new in literature, right? Yeah. So it's been happening for generations. It's just that there hasn't been a critical mass. And the reason, we're, the reason why there hasn't been a critical mass is because Canada only in 68, 67, started uh, allowing, you know, visible minorities um, uh, kind of uh, uh, entry into Canada uh, without the restrictions of the, of the past. So really racist kind of uh, immigration mm -hmm. policies were lifted creating the opportunity for 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 me at least being uh, I, you know uh, uh, older than you two but kind of the first generation of second generation so of second generation quote-unquote immigrants so uh, being born here visible minorities of of immigrants and that's to me is an awakening of a specific kind of consciousness and also a specific kind of art so what is the art that comes from people who have been born in Canada but also have, you know, have learned that you are not quite <laughs> or mm -hmm. not really Canadian? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, of course, you, we are, uh, you know, and that goes back to that whole thing is about manners. Like, listen to the way we talk. We've, we've learned yeah. to talk yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> very eloquently, purposely, <laughs> very oh, eloquently as, as other Canadians because that was the way we survived, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, but that's, um, to me, that's another kind of interesting thing about this moment in, in literature. I think the UK had that moment a little earlier because they ha started having waves mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. of immigrants from the Caribbean, but also other parts of the world um, after the Second World War in kind of greater numbers. They always had the, you know, People of visible minorities ob obviously had, all had lived in Canada and UK for centuries before that. But I'm talking about real numbers. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of have, you know, Zadie Smith, you kind of have uh, Hanif Qureshi, you have, you know, all these kind of interesting kind of art. They're all second generation immigrants that they are British, but they've been told they're not really British. Mm -hmm. And what is the kind of then, uh, and then you know you come from a homeland that you've not really lived in, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but because your position here is being made awkward, what is what are the kind of longings and uh, illusions, but also genuine connections you have to this other place? And so, yeah, I just think it's, a, to me, that's a kind of a, one of the powerful ways of kind of trying to understand what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's as a reader and as like a consumer of art, I guess uh, maybe now that it's sort of, sort of, you know, growing, no, maybe I've noticed, maybe only now I'm noticing that it's been missing. But now mm -hmm. as a reader, like going forward, that's sort of exciting to sort of notice, yeah. what, you know, notice that that might be the energy and the themes that are going to be in the books, the Canadian books I'm going to be reading. So David, if people want, uh, continued reading yeah on like the ideas and the feelings of brother mm -hmm. what's the book that they that you think they, that person should read oh damn oh there's no book that's comparable to <laughs> no <laughs> no it's certainly not true you know what i would do i would um i totally would go to to the work of I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking because, you know, so the one way is to kind of go back and see what, um, what had influenced right. me as a writer. And um, 
So if you're if you're kind of really your thing is fiction, and so that's how you picked up, you know, brother, and maybe maybe my first mm-hmm. book. But you want to kind of get into some of the uh, some themes that overlap and then are different, and that are really um, really some really great literature. I'd, I'd honestly check out some work by Dion Brand. Okay. And so she she has in, in fact a, a new novel coming out uh, very soon, uh, Theory. That's or this year. Um, okay. Okay. But there's, she has a huge archive of work that I just think. Uh, so I think she, uh, you know that's that's a kind of a. Okay. That's like my own selfish thing. I just okay. think she's amazing. So Theory by Dion Brand. Okay. What movie should they watch for continued uh, exploration? Sim- I would say Moonlight. I would say if you wanna if you wanna kind of if you think if. Yeah. So actually, when Moonlight came out, actually, there was a moment. So mm. I finished my book by then. And I saw the movie and I had this moment of, oh, my. Oh, no. You know, this is this is a little too close. <laughs> you know, people are going to then think, oh, man, you just you kind of just quickly just wrote, wrote. Mo- Moonlight. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, it was like 10 years. Honestly, I was, you know, um, but, uh, you know, that was just a kind of a silly reaction. Bec- uh, and, but it was because some of the things we talked about and mm-hmm. one of th- some of the things um, about um, about food, because mm-hmm. there's a scene where uh, late in the film where uh, one of the guys kind of cooks. And it's a beautiful scene of tenderness. And they're kind of yes. they're kind yes. of, ge- you know, kind of rekindling their relationship and declaring um, um, their their culture to each other in this kind of really beautiful, intimate way. And I thought, oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> they're going to think people are going to think my my kitchen scene is, is just oh. moonlight again because jelly cooks, too. You know? <laughs> um. And then um, and then just the kind of the tenderness of a relationship mm-hmm. between, you know, men in tough, you know, tough circumstances. Um, and. Um, yeah, but I, I really love that movie. I really, really, really love that movie, and so that might be that might be something that um, that you, you okay. should watch. Yeah. Okay. And lastly, what song should they listen to for continued exploration of the feelings and the themes of your book or album? I guess because maybe a song is. And too she's giving you. She's giving you an. Out. I'm giving you an out, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So there's. Um, <clears throat> I would say two things. I'd say um, I'd say almost anything by Nina Simone. So that's that would be one. The other one, it's the kind of more daring. Like if you want to kind of, I want the daring one, David. Okay, the kind of get the get the feel of what was going on late '80s, early '90s. Toronto slash Scarborough, mm-hmm. um, and the sense that of possibility, so that someone could actually make it in these industries that were hostile or to them or just didn't see them, just didn't see kind of work con- that could come out of Scarborough or Toronto or whatnot. It would be uh, the work of Maestro Fresh West, his first album. Yeah. <laughs> we were good. talking about how we, there was no Maestro Fresh West references in your... Because it was... No, I, but the, no, but there, you know what there was? And I, I was hoping people wouldn't... Conf- there, there was and there wasn't. Don't... <laughs> Don't give me okay. uh, grief Easter of egg. people. Easter egg. No, no, but it's like so. The conductor, remember yeah. the, uh, the the guy who is knew every who knew every sort of sam- samples that would have. No, 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 not him. Not the professor. Oh, oh. No, 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 no. But so when they go to the interview, <laughs> um, beside the guy in the white shirt who's yeah. being a bit of an asshole and being dismissive, yeah. there's the actual performer. 
And that's him. And that's the conductor. Ah. And, and he's like he's like the glowing example of what's possible, right? right? You know, it's like, um, and the real maestro I think is a very thoughtful and generous person. He's like written a really cool, you know, I I haven't re- I haven't read that book, but I think it's an M and S book that he, he wrote, and and um, and certainly he broke ground and all this sort of stuff. But um, I slipped in. It's not it's not him. It's good. It's but good. It's I, I wanted to mark his presence in a certain way. Oh, but it's I not like that. it's not him. That's awesome. It's not him. Yeah. Can I can I provide a comp? Yeah. Yes. For a song, I would say Frank Ocean's cover of Moon River. Have you heard that? No. Oh my I god. I think that speaking to the tenderness aspect and a nostalgia factor that I'm that's I'm going to put myself okay. into these oh segments now too. Oh my god. I, I think that's it's, it's really a, it's, intuitive. It's a I think really I love that great, idea. I think the feeling of that. I mean, we didn't really get to talk about this, but the kind of tender masculinity that you know Francis mm-hmm. and Jelly have. You know that they embody and, and Francis and Michael too. I think and Francis too. and Michael too. With right. I would have. It's a shame we didn't get to touch on yeah. that as much. But well, the but the intimacy there and the and the tenderness that they treat each other with. I think that that works. Should we have Should we have David again another time to talk to us about part two the tender masculinity sometime? <laughs> yeah, and sociology and sociology. And sociology. <laughs> we'll all do some studying yeah. and read <laughs> up on sociological theory. Most important is that we got the um, we figured out what the maestro Fresh West. I'm so happy that yeah. you. What a great Easter egg. Yes. Thank, thanks, David. Thanks for talking to us on, uh, on the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a, I have a real pleasure. And that's the end of this episode. I want to thank David for coming to the studio and humoring Christina's uh, repressed memories of going back to her home country. Um, thank you, David. I know that was very difficult. And be sure to tune into our next episode when Christina delves deeper into her psychology. (laughs) 